episode 789. The Green Bay Packers reportedly brought in controversial running back Joe Mixon for an official visit to the team's facilities this week. Might they consider drafting him? We'll discuss Mixon with Luke Easterling of the Draft Wire. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and we're talking about Joe Mixon in the NFL Draft. To do that, we're joined by a guest today. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're talking to Luke Easterling of the Draft Wire. Luke, how are you this morning? I'm doing fantastic. I'm uh, down here in sunny Tampa, Florida, so uh, I can't have much to complain about. Sounds good to me. Um, Luke, before we get into some NFL draft talk here, we're kind of continuing a theme for the third consecutive episode. We've had a guest from USA Today's NFL Wire Network. We've had the two writers from the Packers Wire site here previously. But can you just tell us a little bit more about the NFL Wire Network and about what your site is specifically? Yeah, we uh, at the NFL Wire Network, uh, our our senior editor Neil Kulong, he's done a great job of, uh, in my opinion, putting together a, an entire network of 32 sites. I think the the Titans is the last one we have to launch here, uh, but I think it's coming in the in the in the next few days, maybe next few weeks. But, um, you know, it, he's put together, in my opinion, a great list of of site editors, and and those editors have put together their own contributor teams, and you know, really, we're just trying to give our idea is to be the, the first best analysis on either the teams themselves uh, or in my case, the NFL draft. Um, and, and I think we, you know, we do our best to, to bring that to the fans for the draft wire in particular, you know, I, I wanted it to be a, a one-stop shop for, for NFL draft fans of all teams and, and in just NF, general NFL fans uh, looking for whether it's rankings or, you know, who's got mock drafts going where we do our own mock drafts. We highlight other mock drafts from around the, the web that we find people that, uh, that we respect. Um, you know, we do player interviews, you know, with the upcoming prospects. Um, you know, we, we really just, again, want the draft wire to be a, a place where everybody can go and get everything they need for the draft and also highlight the great work that other people are doing out there at other outlets. Very cool. I think the NFL Wire Network is really up and coming, and everybody there is doing a great job. But we got a lot of NFL draft talk to get to here, Luke. Uh, according to Mike Garofalo of the NFL Network, the Green Bay Packers brought in Joe Mixon for an official visit to Green Bay this week. You recently wrote an article wondering about Joe Mixon and the support he would receive from teams and the fans. Where do you think he'll ultimately be drafted? I think it's... In my opinion, I, I don't think he gets out of the top 40 or 50 picks. Um, I think his floor, if I had to pick one, uh, is probably Cincinnati in the second round, near the near the top of the second round. I don't think he'll get any, uh, any farther than that. I, I would not be surprised to see him go in the first round. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a team move up uh, into the back end of the, the first round to get him. Wouldn't be surprised to see a team like Kansas City, who just um, let Jamal Charles walk. Um, wouldn't be a surprise to see a team like that uh, take him at 27. 
uh, you know, I don't think you'll find anybody who will argue that that he, you know, Joe Mixon could make a very strong case to be the most talented running back in this class. And that's saying something because we've been talking about this running back class for a long time in terms of uh, its talent and overall depth. So to say that he's the most talented back in a very rare class and say that he, you know, might not even go in the first round says a lot about, I think, how teams, many teams and how some fans um, are concerned about those off-field issues. So I, I, I think he's talented enough. Again, it only takes one team. You know, you could have 31 teams completely take him off the board. And I'm pretty sure, you know, multiple teams have done that. But it only takes one team to to be able, you know, willing to risk that, uh, those off-field concerns for the talent. And I think a team's going to do that in the top 40 or 50 picks. When you mentioned teams trading up to get him, that kind of made me think almost like this this interest by the Packers could be sort of smokescreen in that, well, they've got the end of the first round pick and, and maybe would be, you know, maybe have a team think, oh, they got to move up to get him. Um, it's kind of interesting that the Packers could, you know, at least potentially go that route. But, uh, Luke, the, the report said the Packers were getting medical info they didn't get at the NFL Combine. Do we have any reason to believe Joe Mixon has any medical issues? I mean, I, I don't have any information that, that leads me to believe that. I, I The only thing I can think of is that he had um, a, a bit of a head injury, I think, back in 2015 uh, in a game. But I, I, I'm not aware of anything that may have popped up on those uh, medical reports. Um, and it'll be interesting to see as we get closer to the draft uh, if that's something that comes out. But I, I think this is much more of a, uh, a fact-finding mission, a, a deep dive into um, whether or not they would be comfortable with him as a person because I don't think anybody doubts his on-field talent at this point. Um, all right, let's talk pro days for a moment here. In keeping with the running back theme, one of the big events yesterday was at Boise State where Jeremy McNichols worked out. How do you see him doing in the NFL? Yeah, he's going to be a very interesting back because, again, we talked about how deep this running back class is, and I think in any other class you know, he can make a strong uh, case to be maybe even a second-round pick um, because I think he's a very versatile guy. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, very quick runner, comfortable between the tackles, knows what he's looking at, uh, knows how to pick his gaps. A um, little bit light in the lower body. I think he's got a good overall frame, So, it, but he's not quite as physical as maybe you'd want a full you know, three down back to be. Um, but but again, and, and gives up a little bit in pass, pass protection, so if you want to keep him on the field on third downs, that might be a little bit of a concern early on. But again, that, that's teachable as long as you have the effort, which I think he does. So, Again, highly productive running back, which, again, we're used to seeing coming out of Boise State, going back to Jay Ajayi uh, and even Doug Martin before that. So, uh, again, needs to you know improve his ability to break tackles, be a little bit more of a physical runner because he is 215 pounds. I mean, that's not terribly light, uh, and I think he just needs to use that, uh, use that strength to be uh, a little bit more effective in that way. So, again, I think he could be a very valuable pick for a team just because this is such a deep class that you could still see him on the board maybe in the third or fourth round. I think he'd be a great value at that point. In other Pro Day news, all 32 teams were reportedly represented at the Texas A&M Pro Day on Thursday, so we know the Packers had someone there. The Aggies had three receivers on display, Speedy Noyle, Josh Reynolds, Ricky Seals-Jones. What do you make of this trio, and who's the best among them? It's really hard to evaluate Texas A&M receivers in this class, I think, because I mean, no, it's no offense to Trevor Knight, but their their passing game is just so 
it struggled so much and, and it's really difficult to get a gauge for how good those guys are. But you did see plenty of flashes. And I think that's what the pre-draft process is for to kind of fill in the gaps uh, and, and tell you what you don't see on the film. So I think for me, it's, it's a clear favorite in this class or in that group is, is Josh Reynolds. I, I think that he's not the athlete that speeding oil is speeding oil is just a ridiculous athlete. One of the best in the entire draft, in my opinion, uh, but that doesn't always equate to you know NFL success. There's a lot more to being successful at that at the next level than just being an, an elite athlete. So I think Josh Reynolds, the, the wide receivers are paid to catch the football, and I don't think many receivers in this class are are mm-hmm. as good a pure pass receiver uh, as Josh Reynolds. Uh, he's got very very strong hands, great body control in the air, knows how to attack the football, knows how to set up defensive backs to fail with the balls in the air. I think he's going to be a, a very, very big value in the mid-round range. Anywhere on day two, I think he could fit. Uh, and I think a, a, an NFL quarterback is going to be really happy to have him because he's that type of receiver that can bail you out uh, of bad throws, bad situations, and he can win those contested catches, which is extremely helpful, especially in the red zone. Good analysis there. And, and speaking of Texas A&M, you, you yourself uh, had an exclusive interview with Miles Garrett, the presumptive number one overall pick in the NFL draft. You actually went to Texas to meet with him. What did you learn about Miles Garrett? I learned quite a bit. Um, honestly, I, I learned that as impressive as he is on the field, he's really that that impressive of a person and, and just a great young man. So it was really fun to get to know him. I uh, spent an entire day with him, uh, both in kind of a interview setting and, and that type of official uh, set up and also just, you know, hanging out and getting dinner with him and a few friends and just um, being able to see that that's when you kind of get a gauge for who a person is, you know, when you, when the, the lights are off and, and the, the show isn't, you know, going on, you see how they operate, see how they interact with people, how they treat people with respect or not um, that sort of thing. So I, I couldn't have been more impressed with him as a person. I uh, learned that he's a big fan of dinosaurs. Uh, so that's fun. Okay. Uh, he knows way more about dinosaurs than I'll ever know. Uh, almost ended up going to <laughs> Ohio State just to study paleontology uh, and actually told me that he probably will go back there and get his master's after he's done playing football. So um, we've got a lot of fun stuff at the draft wire. I'm churning out, you know, at least an article or two a day just out of our conversations that we had uh, during that trip in Texas. So uh, we've got a lot more video stuff coming. He did a bunch of on-camera video, um, both in an interview setting and also like a, a hour and a half long workout. So, uh, again, I, I just learned that he's as advertised. He's an incredible athlete. Uh, I think he's going to make a team very happy. It's probably going to be the Cleveland Browns. I, I put some money on that at this point. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he's got the right mindset to succeed. He's not going to just rely on that athleticism. He's willing to work hard. And, and do what it takes to be great, and I'm, I'm excited to root for him. Yeah, I think it's really cool that you got the exclusive interview with him because uh, people will be coming for that content long after he's drafted, so that's really cool. Um, uh, among the Friday's Pro Day events is is Texas Tech today, uh, where quarterback Patrick Mahomes will be on display. Where do you think he ranks among this year's quarterback prospects? For me, I think this quarterback class is divided into into a couple tiers at the top. I have Deshaun Watson as, as the top quarterback in this draft, which I've felt that way since the beginning of last college football season, uh, and he's really not done anything but cement that in my mind. Uh, Mitch Trubisky comes in at number two for me. I think he's also a first-round quarterback. After that, it's kind of a two-horse race. 
between Mahomes and uh, Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame for me. I'm not quite as high on Davis Webb from Cal as it seems like many people are rumoring that, that the league may feel uh, differently about him as potentially a first-round passer. But I, I think Patrick Mahomes probably has the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this draft when you take his, his physical tools and his intelligence, the way he understands I think he gets labeled as nothing more than a system quarterback, and I think that's just doing him a disservice. And I think it's lazy scouting. Uh, I think that just because we haven't seen a successful quarterback come out of that very highly productive offense at Texas Tech uh, and do the same thing at the next level, I think we, we get in this rut where we see we, we feel like nobody who is a quarterback at Texas Tech could ever succeed at the next level. And I just think we have to take each player individually and scout that player and not just the helmet. So. Patrick Mahomes could easily end up being the best quarterback out of this class if he ends up in a situation, um, particularly maybe Arizona. I'd love to see him go to the Cardinals where Bruce Arians, he would fit what he wants from a quarterback and a guy that knows how to develop quarterbacks. And he would be in a situation where he could sit behind Carson Palmer for at least a year, get acclimated to the NFL speed and the NFL you know, systems while cleaning up some of those mechanical things, some of that footwork um and and just becoming a more refined passer a lot of the same concerns i have about him coming out are some of the same concerns i had about Derek carr so i I think he in the right situation can have a similar growth pattern and end up being one of the better quarterbacks in the nfl if he develops right yeah it's good to hear because i'm really high on patrick mahomes as well uh finally here luke before we let you go it was reported this week that the packers will use two of their pre-private pre-draft visits with cincinnati inside linebacker eric wilson and Air Force outside linebacker Ben Watson, obviously guys who aren't highly rated. They're not first-round draft picks or even day two guys. But what can you tell us about either of them? Uh, well, you know, Wilson, very, very highly productive guy, a lot of tackles. He's going to be more of a an off-ball guy, which you would wonder how he would fit uh, for for Green Bay, considering he's one of the, the light, you know, 220, 230-pound types. Uh, that you typically see on the outside in a 4-3. Um, so I don't know if he's quite big enough to slide inside. Maybe you have to put some bulk on him. Uh, but, you know, former safety who, you know, you love how he flies to the ball. Both of these guys ran in the 4-4s four in their in their pro days. So, I mean, obviously speed is uh, a big part of their game. Uh, but, again, you, you can't argue the numbers with uh, with Wilson. He was a highly productive guy. Uh, and then Watson, Watson's interesting. He's, he's more of an edge guy. He's going to be your pass rusher. He put on... Uh, quite a few pounds, I think, from his playing weight, which I think was in the 230s, maybe 230. Showed up at his pro day at 249 and still ran in the high 4.4s, uh, according to a couple of the reports I saw. So, um, again, just you, we, you want those those day three picks. You want either guys that can contribute immediately on special teams while they develop or just guys with elite athleticism that maybe didn't get a chance to show it at a big program, maybe had some injuries, you know, you want to take chances on those guys because at the end of the day, those picks are kind of, you know, if you miss on a fifth, sixth, or seventh round pick, nobody's really going to remember. But if you if you take a high upside guy that has the athleticism, if he develops, and you give him some time and you allow him to contribute on special teams while learning the finer points of the game, you could end up, you know, with a really special player that you didn't have to invest a whole lot of draft capital in. So those two guys, because of their athleticism, I, I think that they're they're very interesting prospects to look at in that range. Cool. Great analysis all around, all the questions I asked. Thanks so much, Luke, for taking some time to talk to us today. Keep up the good work at the Draft Wire, and we'd love to have you back on again sometime. Absolutely, Brian. Anytime. My pleasure. Take care.
Luke Easterling of the Draftwire joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? All right. I want to give you my two cents on Joe Mixon. It's going to be a little bit, bit slightly shorter episode than usual, but I kind of wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive here just considering we got the official report from Mike Garofalo of the NFL Network, NFL.com, that uh, the Packers used an official visit on Joe Mixon. And, uh, you know, we know that NFL teams can only use 30 of those in the run-up to the NFL draft where they bring players out to their draft facilities. And, you know, considering Joe Mixon did not was not invited to the NFL Combine, you know, this is one big reason the Packers brought him in because they can give him those physicals, you know, which they didn't get, you know, no teams got at the combine and they could talk to him personally. Um, so my thoughts on Joe Mixon, if I am the Packers general manager, I'm waiting until at least day three of the NFL draft to select Joe Mixon. So that means round four basically is when I would start to consider him. That pretty much means I would consider a fourth round pick. If I consider him to be a first round talent. Here's how I view Joe Mixon. Uh, Joe Mixon. What he did was egregious, but I do. But do I think he should spend the rest of his life in prison and doesn't deserve to make a living? No, uh, everyone deserves a second chance. What worries me, however, is that Mixon's immaturity and character beyond just the one violent incident. That's why I'm pushing him down the board, me personally. If you've happened to follow along with the Joe Mixon saga, um, and I'm not sure a lot of people have, you, you know, in depth going back to his time, you know, the incident came back in 2014 that everyone knows about where he punched the the woman. Uh, you'll know also that there was an incident with a parking lot attendant just this past season at Oklahoma in which he kind of got into a verbal argument, kind of uh, there was some disrespect involved um, over, I mean, what was in all scope of things, you know, a pretty minor, you know, over a parking ticket or something like that. And then if you followed Joe Mixon on Twitter since the violent incident back in 2014, you've seen some of his immaturity on display, responding to all his, quote, haters uh, on Twitter as if he doesn't really get it. He's kind of drawn attention to himself and showing a lack of respect, I think, for the victim. It's these things that make me worry there's going to be another incident. I've seen reports of coaches praising Mixon's leadership, and I don't doubt that he can bring it every day on the practice field and be a leader simply from a workout standpoint. But I'm worried he might have a short fuse, uh, it, it it only takes one case of bad decision-making off the field, and, and now you've got another problem. And if he gets in trouble again off the field, he's not going to get any leniency from a court of law because of his prior history. 
And so he could be lost for some time, or a real lengthy amount of time this time, if there's another violence, violent incident that happens. And, and now, let's talk about the factors that have nothing to do with Joe Mixon personally. This Packers team has major holes to fill on the defensive side of the football. They obviously need a cornerback. They could also use an edge rusher and an inside linebacker. Maybe more than one of of all these things I just mentioned on the defensive side of the football. Then we have to consider this is one of the deepest running back classes in the NFL draft in years. So why are we going to draft Joe Mixon when we can get another good player without all the baggage? And then there's the devaluing of the running back position in general, and perhaps particularly in a place like Green Bay that passes the ball at a higher clip than nearly any team in the NFL. So so with a team led by Aaron Rodgers, uh, that's going to revolve around him more so than anything else. So, So take all these things together. Take Joe Mixon's background together, his history, the Packers team, the help it needs on defense, and and the depth of running backs in this year's draft class. Take this all together, and that's why I think the Packers, you know, shouldn't consider him any higher than the third day of the draft. And only then, if they consider him a can't-miss type of prospect, from a talent standpoint, which which I'm not sure he is. He's talented, no doubt, but there are questions about the type of running back that, that dances in the backfield, that goes down on first contact, is not a terrific inside type of runner. In fact, one of the biggest strengths uh, of Joe Mixon's is being a receiving threat out of the backfield, which is also one of the biggest strengths of one of the other backs on the Packers roster, Ty Montgomery, maybe they're a little more different than that. But but again, this this goes back to there's plenty of other fish in the sea. Why are we insisting on drafting Joe Mixon? Uh, you know that we can get another type of back uh, and a really good one some point else in the NFL draft this year. Uh, we just talked to Luke Easterling about. Jeremy McNichols, who's going to be a mid-round draft choice. He's a really good one. I really think McNichols, more like any other back in this year's class, is a James Starks type of back. Now, if Joe Mixon were to go undrafted, I'd have no problem with the Packers signing him to a contract. With little money invested into undrafted choices, uh, undrafted signings, those are the types of players you can part with without a big financial burden. So, so you know, all this being said, as Luke Easterling said, the there's the all-it-takes-is-one theory for Joe Mixon to come off the board. And, you know, just based upon how, how highly some analysts think of his talent, I, I think some team will take him on day two of the NFL draft. I personally have a hard time thinking any team's going to invest that first-round draft pick into him just because you know that the money involved with the first round draft pick that's a major uh, you know investment and you don't want to get that one wrong you almost want to play it a little bit safe from the standpoint i mean if there ever is something wrong with joe mixon you've got the problem of him potentially being unavailable 
and the devaluing of the running back position and you know and then you lose them and then it's it's just a disaster that's why i don't think he can be you know round number 1 maybe it happens like like i alluded to earlier maybe this is kind of a smoke screen in that if the packers kind of you know have people considering that well they're they're thinking about him he's they haven't taken him off the board Maybe they can, you know, trade with the team that wants to move up and get Joe Mixon in round one and the Packers get that extra second round draft pick perhaps in the early part of round two. And then they got their own second rounder. And then you got, a, you know, a lot of picks to uh, um, to potentially, you know, work with. So I don't know if that's the thinking or, you know, if they're doing it just in case every team in the NFL takes them off the board. Uh, for several rounds so that's my thoughts on Joe Mixon Um, I I can't see him as a day one or day two draft pick um, and and only on day three if you think he's really good Uh, otherwise he just keeps pushed back and back and back so there you go Uh, I kind of wanted to do a deep dive on that today because I gotta go folks Uh, I've got an appointment here coming up very shortly that I gotta get to so but we'll be back for more episodes of Railbird Central next week. Uh, we got more NFL draft talk coming up uh, that I've got scheduled, and we'll talk more about that then. Railbird Central airs typically every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you, folks. Have a good Friday. Have a good weekend. We'll be back again later. I leave you today with a song called Barker by Keller Williams on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone, go, pack, go.